Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the college admissions process podcast. I am your host, John Durante. And I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insights straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions, regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given podcast episode You should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your proud host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome today, Larry Altman. Larry, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure. Larry is the manager of East Coast Recruitment for Michigan State. Larry, why don't you tell us about yourself and how did you end up as an admissions representative? Well, sure. Thanks for for having me and and thanks for asking. So uh, I was undergoing a career transition and I saw a notice that Michigan State University was looking for a part-time admissions person in the East Coast. And living in New Jersey, I was geographically qualified. I guess that was my major qualification. It didn't hurt probably that I was an alumnus of Michigan State as well. And did a phone interview and advanced to an in-person interview at an airport hotel right by LaGuardia Airport. And before you know it, I was part-time. And then that's evolved to full-time and then they kept adding states and it's just a long story from there but it's uh it's really been something working with students and families for now 12 years in admissions wow that's phenomenal and of course go spartans right we're talking about michigan state so what does michigan state university offer both inside and outside of the classroom that makes it appealing for students to want to attend sure so I think there's a few different things. One, we're a Midwestern university. And when I say Midwestern, not just that you can look on a map and say, wow, Larry, that's great. You can figure out that Michigan's in the Midwest, but we're Midwestern by student body. And so for particularly my areas, when I'm talking to students on Long Island or other places in the Northeast or Mid-Atlantic, they're going to feel a difference with people. I always mention, you know, our students are going to smile, they're going to say hello, they're going to welcome you. And it makes it feel just so different from what they're used to. Now, that's not me knocking any area. That's just comparing and contrasting. Because I grew up in northern New Jersey. And so when I went to Michigan State as an out-of-state student, 
you know, immediately that was something I noticed that people just treated people differently than I was used to, you know, growing up. So I think that's one piece. I think another piece is just choice. Over 200 majors, over 900 clubs, Division I sports playing football in a 72,000-seat stadium on a campus, and this is very unusual, one piece of land. So wherever you are living in a residence hall, you can walk to any of your classes, any of your activities. You can walk to the football stadium. And a lot of large schools can actually say that. And then not to mention we're a tier one research university. We are dominated by undergrads. So because of that, we don't have enough grad students to do research. So great opportunities for undergraduate research for students study abroad that can span the globe, every continent on the globe. So I guess what I'm saying in as few words as I can say it, there's a lot of things for a student to be potentially excited about at Michigan State. Wow, so over 200 majors, over 900 clubs. What is the total enrollment at Michigan State? So undergrad and grad, we're right at about 49,000. But again, on one campus, one piece of land. You know, our campus actually in total is over 5,200 acres. Wow. Putting that in perspective for those on the East Coast, that's eight and a half times the size of Central Park, over 100 times the size of the Boston Common. Wow. But our, you know, we started as a school of agriculture. So a lot of those lands are agricultural lands where we have dairy and beef cattle and swine and poultry and goats and organic farms and different research that's going on that will help feed America and the world, you know, in the future. We also have two 18-hole golf courses on our campus, too. <laughs> right so, there on the campus? <laughs> right on the, it's our amazing. land, you know, and so we have, that's the thing. It's like the more I can talk about Michigan State, the more it might almost be hard for people to believe how many, you know, resources academically. We have a College of Human Medicine, a College of Osteopathic Medicine, a College of Veterinary Medicine, a College of Law, all on that campus. So there's just so much for somebody, whether you're starting out as an undergrad, you're looking for a master's program, you're looking for a Ph.D., you're looking for a professional program. You're going to have options at Michigan State and options to grow. And not only do you have all of those options, I read a statistic recently that the current freshman class, well over 92% of them returned. That Yeah, no, that is true. Um, we have a lot of programs in place because I should also mention, too, our classes that come in are very diverse, very diverse um, culturally, very diverse racially, very diverse socioeconomically. But we went to a program several years ago called the Neighborhood Concept. And basically, our residence halls are divided up into five neighborhoods geographically around campus. Each one has an engagement center. The Engagement Center provides support for students in the form of tutoring, in the form of um, academic advisors, in the form of healthcare that's provided actually at the Engagement Centers on a regular schedule. 
And these are some of our initiatives to try to close any opportunity gap that may exist. We, we believe any student we admit can be successful at Michigan State. Well, that's fantastic. You obviously do a great job accepting the students that are the right fit for Michigan State. Like I said, in the high 90s in terms of the percentage of students that return, but also you have a lot of resources in place to make sure that they stay there at least for their four years. And many of them, as you said, continue for graduate studies, which is terrific. So speaking of the freshman class, what is their profile? Sure. So I'm going to kind of talk about it in two ways. So one, just in terms of numbers, a middle 50% of GPA would be in the area of 3.4 to 3.9. We are test optional, and we're test optional for at least the next four years. So that means if a student's in high school today, they can be test optional at Michigan State. Um, what When we're evaluating an application, we're reading through the application first, and then we're looking and reading the um, through the extracurricular activities. We're reading the, the essay as well. And then on the transcript, we're really looking at what did a student take in ninth grade? What did they take in 10th grade? What did they take in 11th grade? What does the senior schedule look like? What are the levels of those courses? What are the grades? And when you read a transcript like that, it's not just a flat piece of paper. It's not just numbers. You can see or not see growth. And I think a lot of times this is lost on students and parents, how important growth is and sensible growth. In other words, because your friend is taking an AP class doesn't mean that an AP class is right for you. Because you have a friend that's taking four AP classes might not mean that it's right to even take one AP class. But it's what is sensible growth for you. And so when I talk to students and families, they always say to me, well, how many AP should I take? And I always tell them, I have no idea. But you should talk to your high school counselor because your high school counselor knows more about your academic ability than most people will and have that real discussion of what is a sensible risk, you know, to show that growth in rigor in a schedule, okay? Because ideally, if someone has that risk, you still want them to be able to do well. There's nothing better than seeing a transcript where you see grades going up and rigor going up across the four years. I think also people sometimes lose sight that senior year is actually part of high school. And whether they realize it or not, it's part of an evaluation. Because even if I never see grades before we make a decision, I can see what that senior schedule is and that senior schedule tells me a story. And I'm basically it's telling me one of two stories usually. I'm somebody that's striving to be better. I'm somebody that is taking a little bit of an academic vacation. And an academic vacation doesn't usually transfer into success in that first year. And that's what I worry about. Well, I'm glad you shared that. And I know a lot of students and their parents are listening. And this is something that has come up in previous episodes as well, the importance of putting your best foot forward for four years of high school. 
And I love how you talk about how even though you're not going to see necessarily the grades by the time you evaluate them in senior year, you're certainly going to be looking at the work in progress. And if you see a major dip, that might not be so favorable in terms of helping you with their acceptance into Michigan State. So I really appreciate that insight. And my next question then is, what advice would you give a student if they fall lower than the current freshman class average? Should they apply? And how can they enhance their application? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think students should not be so quick to dismiss a school, whether it's Michigan State or any school, truthfully. Um, because again, these are averages. And even within the averages, you know, you may be a student that maybe you started high school slow, you know, academically. Maybe it wasn't what you felt your level was, but you've shown great improvement over time. So your overall GPA might not fit nice and neatly in a number, but you are now that level of student that could be successful somewhere. And so my first and biggest piece of advice is give yourself a chance senior year, meaning we are focusing on academic subjects. So we are looking at your math, your English, your foreign language, your social studies, your science. That's what we're really focusing on. So give yourself as many chances senior year to score well. Because when I'm reading an application, I have the ability to withhold an application and say, you know what, I need some more information. And I can tell you when I'm doing that, I am literally crossing my fingers, hoping that student does well senior year, because there's nothing more satisfying for me when I've withheld a student and now they're really doing their best work. But the key is you need that canvas to be able to do your best work. And your canvas is having real academic subjects in your senior year schedule. It is also what's gonna prepare you best at any level for success in what will be your most challenging academic time, your first semester when you're at any college or university. So those senior challenges, I know I'm kind of repeating myself a little bit, but that is what makes a difference. Another thing I would say to a student, don't be afraid, reach out to admissions officers. You can go onto the website, you can call any admissions office and you can find out who is assigned to your high school. You can at minimum find an email address, express interest, genuine interest. Don't tell me Michigan State is my favorite school. If it is, tell me why, because that's going to be my first question when we talk is, you know, don't just try to make me feel good of your interest. Really prove it to me. But again, understand your work, your record that you're creating, your academic history, which you create alone as a student that is going to be one of the biggest things that can influence this whole process. Well, that's a great piece of advice in terms of when the student really wants to attend your school, to reach out, let you know that in fact, if they're accepted, they're going to attend, but not just to say, I really want to come to Michigan State, but to really give the detailed explanation as to the why. I think that's a tremendous piece of advice. 
you started talking about the different courses that students take. So I'm assuming that when you receive a transcript, you see the grades, you see the progression or not, you see the courses that they're taking. Do you look at the high school GPA and use that GPA, or do you recalculate it using a metric specific to Michigan State University? So currently, we do not recalculate as a general rule. I will tell you there are sometimes I want to because I and I might on a student where I'm just trying to really understand and see the progression. It may just depend on the particular transcript from a school because every school is different. Um, but but really, we do not do that. We don't really use the high school GPA so much either, though. It's more about, you know, as you're looking through the years, you're getting a real feeling about a student. It actually comes pretty quickly, um, but you really get that feel as you're you're going across the years and you're looking um, the grades and the coursework. And it's also, too, another important point, it's within the context of the school. So one of the things we'll look at when we are looking at an application is the profile from a high school. What is available for this student to take, okay, in that school? What are the levels of classes? How many of the different levels are really available? And if we're not sure, there's been times where I'll call a counselor and I'll say, well, is there a restriction of how many of a certain type of classes a student can take or what year they can start them? You know, how does your process work? Because I can't possibly expect a student to take classes that are not offered at a given school. And, you know, I visit some very strong high schools, which parents, I want you to take a deep breath before you hear this. You may not believe this, but I go to some schools where they don't wait GPA. I go to some schools that are excellent public high schools that have no AP classes. And that's my job to know that and be the expert on those high schools as I'm reading an application. And just like everybody else, and just like I'm gonna suggest to everybody else in this process, when I'm not sure, I ask questions and I don't move forward until I get my questions answered so that I can be fair you know, in, in looking at a student. Well, that's great advice, certainly asking questions, and I hope people see how accessible you are to them by email, obviously by going to college fairs. So it is very important that people not be bashful and ask those questions. In terms of the application, again, do you recommend declaring a major or not? What would be pros and cons of each? Yeah, so now I'm going to give a classic admissions answer. So I'm giving, <laughs> I'll give an answer for Michigan State, and then I'm going to give an answer for overall because they're not actually really the same. So at Michigan State, we review for admission to the university. Major doesn't impact it. So we're evaluating you for the university. We do have some programs which will evaluate you later in the process, but in terms of getting into the university, the major does not matter. Now, for the other 3,999 colleges and universities, it depends. And I would ask this question 
to the admissions office every school you're interested in because some schools will have a direct admit and it will change things. But, you know, there's some schools, if you want to get into a certain program, the only way is coming through the front door with that as your major. So it really depends. And this is where I think it's so important to ask questions. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Larry. And as a follow-up, what about applying early decision? If a student applies early decision, is there a better chance they will be admitted? What advice would you give a student considering applying ED, which of course is binding? Sure. So first of all, I'll just say that Michigan State University does not have early decision. Um, what I would say is this. Early decision, when you really look at the numbers, I encourage people to dig through the numbers. And I think you're going to see early decision is not generally such a great advantage for a student. Okay? Because the reality is, and different schools do it different ways, but the ED pool includes more than just a, a simple student, straightforward student that's applying and interested in that university. Um, I think there's other ways to show interest. I think if your heart is absolutely set, you can apply early decision. But here would be my word of caution on this. And parents, I want you to really think about this because you're going to have a better perspective on this. I want you to think how much growth your sons and daughters have from September to June every academic year. I don't mean academic growth. Yes, you can think of that. But I want you to think of how much they've changed, how many times their mind changes of what they're interested in from September to June, year after year. You think back the last several years. And that would be my number one argument against early decision because it locks a student in. It stops the clock on this evaluation process that is to me the magic of this process, this process of discovery for a student of themselves and what's out there and what they care about. It just stops the clock. And why would you want to do that for a 16, 17, 18-year-old when parents, if you think about it, at 40, 50, 60 years old, you're still changing your mind. Why would you want to stop the clock? Oh, Larry, that's a great point. And, you know, it leads me to the next question about demonstrated interest. Should they visit campus, for example? Should they participate in virtual campus tours? Many students apply to Michigan State that live nowhere near Michigan, so visiting might be difficult. Perhaps you offer Zooms that they could attend. Are these good examples of what students could participate in to show demonstrated interest? And do you track this? Do you track if a student comes to campus or does a virtual tour? Sure. Yeah, no, thanks. That's a great question. So we do not use demonstrated interest in terms of deciding um, whether somebody is accepted or not. It's not part of our admissions process in terms of evaluation process. Um, I do use it in terms of who I reach out to, to students once they are admitted. I'm far more likely to reach out to somebody 
who's come to a program in person or virtual reached out to me. Um, I make myself very available. My cell phone number is on every one of my business cards. And so I'm available by phone, by Zoom. There's been times I have met with students and families in their homes. Um, and so this is all part of what's available. But I think the key to a student is any school that you're applying to should ideally, because now it's different than just evaluating schools. But once you've applied to schools, this should be a school you're really seriously thinking, hey, I might go to. Now, you're still evaluating. It doesn't mean that all of those schools you're applying to, you're going to feel a fit. But certainly now more than ever before, there are virtual opportunities to visit schools. And I encourage anyone within the sound of my voice to visit schools they are interested in virtually. I think when you get the chance, visit in person, um, whether that's Michigan State or any school you know that you're interested in. Because I think when you visit in person, you're going to get the best chance of understanding fit. But understand, too, opening emails. There are now the ability to track how many times students have opened emails, what they've clicked on. These are ways to show what I'll call digital interest. But keep in mind, students, this is actually the first step in the rest of your life. And so I just encourage you, the schools you apply to, really try to get to know them. And so if that's virtual, if that's in person, if that's by email, if that's by Zoom, take advantage of what you can take advantage of. Everyone can't visit. Don't feel bad about that. Just to make the most of what you can do. I think that's great advice because throughout the process, you're evaluating students to see if they're a fit, in this case, for Michigan State. But it's excellent advice to students and their parents. They need to do the same. They need to take advantage of Zooms, virtual tours. And in fact, if they could tour the campus in person so that they could determine whether they're a fit for that school, but also if the school is a fit for them. Great advice, Larry. Thank you so much. You said earlier... A lot of times what you do is you'll reach out to a student, I'm assuming by phone, to determine how interested they really are. Could you give us examples of how those conversations go, but also maybe give us some insight into what not to do if a college admissions rep reaches out to you? Sure. Um, so probably one of my favorite not to do is a student will tell me, sometimes in a phone call, sometimes in an email, oh, you're in my top five favorite schools. <laughs> and, you know, it's not, we know that students are applying to many schools, considering many schools, but it's not really, if we're your number one, that's fine to give a ranking. If we're not your number one, and whether it's Michigan State or any other school, I would just say that you're seriously interested. That would be one just like little piece of advice. Um, and I reach out to students, you know, via email, but also via phone. And, um, you know, really very much, first off, I'll just, usually I'll be following up if they visited campus, asking them how their visit was. If they were in a virtual event, I'll ask them if it was helpful, if they have any further questions. Um, 
I've done in-person events. We did an event for admitted students in Long Island in January uh, that was completely full. And I had many students who followed up, you know, since then from that um, and parents as well. And um, I just encourage students and parents, when you have questions, don't be afraid, reach out. And I think that last bit of advice as well in terms of following up if you made a connection, students, with an admissions rep, and again, it's a school that you're very serious about attending, simply dropping them an email is a great way to express your demonstrated interest. I mean, would you agree with that, Larry? You know, is that helpful? Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely helpful. And the reality is, students, um, while many of you, a lot of your communication is on Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and text message, the reality is this is good practice for the rest of your life because I know, for example, when students come on our campus, potentially even their first fall, they get to start meeting corporations and different companies that will hire students for internships and being able to follow up you know, and understanding how to do it and being diligent about it is honestly one of the things that starts separating students in that process. And that's why, you know, I say I talk about the rest of your life because the reality is this transition is a big deal. Right. It really is. And it, it's really putting you forward in life. And I appreciate that. So why don't we unpackage that a little further in terms of the internship possibilities for students once they arrive on campus? Sure. So at Michigan State, we have 17 degree-granting colleges at the undergraduate level. Wow. Each of the 17 has their own career center. The reason is because we have some companies that will come and interview in the College of Engineering but won't come in the College of Arts and Letters. And it's not that they don't like the people in the College of Arts and Letters. It's just not some of their academic background will not be a fit for the particular openings they have. And so those career centers specialize on creating relationships with different corporations and different organizations. And students are invited to resume workshops within their first month on campus. So, you know, parents and students think about it. We're already almost in the spring. We're less than a, a month, basically a month to the spring starting, which is always exciting. And it means in September, if you're a senior right now, you're potentially starting this process. We have large career events in associated with some of our colleges and some of our programs that take place in the fall every year a first-year student can get involved. And that's why it's important, you know, to take the steps. Go to that resume workshop. Build a resume. You're going to keep adding to it, actually, for the rest of your life. But get something started that looks professional now. And then you start to go to some of these events. And then, hopefully, you have some conversations. You grab some business cards. As we mentioned, you start an email correspondence. And there are times where we have... Some of the same people coming back in the spring and now you've started a relationship and then they're coming back the next fall. But I've had students who have had significant internships after their first year. The key is to be proactive. Um, and I'm going to say 
that's going to be the case anywhere you go to school. Being proactive at the next level is very important to future success. You know, I think that's great advice, being proactive throughout the college admissions process, but also once you're on campus so that you could really immerse yourself in everything that the school has to offer, whether it be Michigan State or whatever college or university you choose for yourself. So thank you for that insight, Larry. Really appreciate it. What are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? Maybe give an example of one where you read it and said, you know, I I really want to meet this kid. Yeah, so what I would say is not so much a specific topic, but more the best essays that I read every year are the ones where the student clearly chose a topic they are passionate about, that they really care about. Those are always the best. To clear up a misconception, by the way, it uh, you kicking the winning soccer goal is not always going to make it a great essay. It might be you went to kick it and you slipped in the mud and you didn't kick it. (laughs) You know, so it's not always you as a hero. It's not always a happy story. Sometimes it's a sad story. I'll say, honestly, sometimes it's a tragic story. But it's what's important to you. And that comes across to the reader. So I would ask you students, if you remember maybe only a few things from what I said, write about what you're passionate about. I'm not looking to read a certain story. I'm looking at how well written it is. Is it grammatically correct? And then does it grab me? And usually it grabs me when a student's writing about something they really care about. Great advice again, Larry. Thank you so much. In terms of the teacher letters of recommendation, what are you looking for to help get a better picture of the candidate? And again, are there any examples that you could share? Sure. So I've actually done some in-house, in in high schools, um, work with, with teachers and appeared at different teacher-only development on this. So I do want to speak to you, teachers, and to students, too, on this. So students, one part of it is pick a teacher early on, give them plenty of advance notice, and pick one where you feel you were really involved in class. Teachers, what we really want to see from a teacher letter of recommendation is How was the student in your classroom? How were they, how'd they treat you? How'd they treat other students? How were they in terms of prepared and bringing academic energy into the classroom, into your class? And, you know, I've had teachers say to me, well, Larry, we were virtual, fine, but you were still exposed to that student, you know, over a hundred times, how did they participate? You know, because, and that's what we want to hear about. So not so much that you know that they play baseball or they were the lead in a play, unless you're an advisor to that activity. If you're an advisor to that activity, that's fair game. But if not, 
Tell us about how they were in your little ecosystem of a classroom. It does not matter what the class was. It really truly doesn't. But how were they as a member of that classroom? That can be so valuable for us. That's great insight. And I know that a lot of teachers are also listening to this. And, uh, you know, and we love our teachers and our guidance counselors. So I just want to give them a quick shout out and thank them for all the amazing work that they do. Larry, could you talk about a student or students aspiring to play sports in college? What does the college admissions process look like for them? And what advice would you give students and parents related to athletics and recruitment? Sure. I actually just recently learned more about this and I did a presentation on the NCAA. So I'm Great. a little more current than maybe if you had asked me a few months ago on this. <laughs> Great. Perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing I would say is you want to start early. Um, and students, what you need to do is you need to register with the NCAA. You can go onto the NCAA site. This is particularly if you're looking for Division One and Division Two. Okay, so you want to start early. You really want to start this process around ninth grade. And what I would recommend, most high schools um, have a counselor who specializes specifically in sports. And I would get to know that counselor. They may have events. Go to those events. Learn the ins and outs. But I can also tell you, if you just do a Google search for NCAA and academics, you're going to find a lot of this information very quickly. One of the things you will find is there are certain approved courses for your high school. So whether that's Syosset High School or any high school around the United States, there are certain approved courses by the NCAA. And on the NCAA site, you can put in, there's a certain code for each high school around the country. And you can find out the current list of approved courses. Keep in mind, there's a certain number you have to take. You are responsible as a student athlete to make sure you are academically eligible. Also, there is a sliding scale combination of test scores and grades that you have to be over. Okay, so good grades help. The better the grades in some sports, the better the recruitment because all coaches now are graded on academics as well at the collegiate level. So if they know you're a strong student, you know what? That'll break ties against somebody else with similar athletic ability. Okay, so don't lose sight you know, of that. It's a process, but I encourage you, look, do Google searches for NCAA academic eligibility. You will get, make sure you're going directly not third-party sites, NCAA sites, and you will easily be able to find this information. But I also encourage you, reach out to the counselor who handles this in your particular high school, and then you can get that information. Yeah, that's great advice. The NCAA obviously offers a lot of resources on their website, and I appreciate you saying to go directly to them and be careful with third-party sites. And of course, go to your guidance counselors, students. They are a wealth of knowledge and information. And of course, they're always willing to help and share with you and your families. So thank you for that, Larry. What about students that have an IEP in high school? What does Michigan State University offer them so that not only are they accepted, but that they are successful in their years 
at Michigan State. Sure. So, you know, in terms of being accepted, we're looking at all students the same way. We're trying to make an evaluation and we're, you know, in admissions, we're predicting the future. We're predicting somebody's academic future based on the variety of evidence we have in front of us. When a student is accepted, we have the Resource Center for Persons with Disability, the RCPD, and any student who's been accepted, they have an opportunity to present uh, documentation of what their current situation is, what their specific situation is. The Resource Center for Persons with Disability, the RCPD, will evaluate that, and they will come up with a list of accommodations that a student might might have and might be reasonable. In addition, we do have different seminars and different programs where students can learn things like note-taking and study skills and preparation and time management. So we do have definitely some support because again, if we've accepted a student, we want them to be successful. So we do definitely have support and I encourage any student and parent, if you do have a 504 plan of some type, don't be afraid. And once you're admitted somewhere, start investigating those programs. But you can even start that. Honestly, that really should start even before you're applying and get some sense of what that support is and if that's going to be within your comfort level. Um, so again, more of you know, research, because that's what this whole process is. It's research. Students, if no one's told you, this is maybe one of the most important research projects you'll ever do. That's uh, great advice again, Larry. Thank you so much. Lastly, what are the three top pieces of advice or recommendations you would give to students and their parents getting ready to apply to college? Sure. So, Students, I think, um, and if I give more than three pieces, is that okay? <laughs> Absolutely, okay. Larry. So Whatever I'm going to actually like. start with parents on this because parents, I have a great place for you to live in this process, the financial piece. So my suggestion for parents is simple. As your son and daughter go through this process and they are thinking about different schools, and this can start... Even sophomore year, if they say, if they mention a name of a school, have a pad hidden somewhere where you can write it down. Every school they tell you, write it down, write it down, write it down. And then junior year, you know, write it down. And what I would encourage you to do as they're finishing junior year, each school that they've listed, go onto that school's website. Again, not a third party site. Very important on this. Go to each school's net price calculator and run through the net price calculator and then write down next to each school about what it says the cost should be. And the reason I say this is I'm always so concerned that a student has choices all the way through this process. And how horrible would it be if they applied to 10 schools, got into 10 schools, and 10 schools were not a financial fit for your family. And so this is the way you can be a little bit out in front of this. Because maybe there's a point 
where that list needs to be modified a little bit to include a few more schools to make sure it's financially a financially balanced list. So parents, that would be my big suggestion for you. After that, you're in support mode. You know, you're going to be a driver. You're going to be someone that helps make airline reservations. You're going to have a chance to spend time with your son and daughter like you might not be able to for multiple years after. So I would say enjoy the journey also to parents. To students, I think you need to ask yourself some questions. What are you looking for in a college environment? Now, college environment, that's a kind of broad term and it's meant to be broad. What kind of academic program or programs? Think not one, think multiple, because 50% of students change their major at least once. So you want to have some choice. What kind of weather do you want? What kind of size of school? What sort of activities? What sort of campus feel? What do you want the town to be like? How close or far do you want it to be from home? Do you want it to be somewhere where mom and dad can get in the car and drive two hours and show up and say, surprise, we're here? Or do you want it to be somewhere with a little more of a buffer zone, you know? So <laughs> think about all of those different factors, but make yourself a list of what's important. This will help you to form questions to ask anytime you're talking to a college or university, anytime you're viewing even a virtual program, you will be starting to take mental notes in your mind. And then I would encourage you to make written notes somewhere, type them out somewhere on each school and see how close are they getting to what you decided you want your environment to be. Now here's the catch, that can change. And I guarantee it will change over time. Because even sometimes people say to me, well, Larry, Michigan State's a big school. Well, I'll be the first to tell you, every large school is not the same. Even within our university, we have a lot of different environments. And sometimes students are in very small environments. They can't believe they can be in a campus of 49,000 students. So investigate over time. Initially, keep more doors open and then gradually push them almost closed, but don't close them completely. So... Come up with questions based on, you know, that would be one. And then the other big one, students, and a lot of times people ignore this. Please, be yourself. Be yourself. No one will be a better you than you. And you will not be a better somebody else than being you. And part of where that comes from is this will help you fairly evaluate anything you're seeing, and also as you apply to schools, your application will be so much better because it will be your voice. It will be you being you. Let that come through on your application. Let that come through on your essay. Let that come through in any activities you're involved in now. Be involved in what you're passionate about, not what you think we want to see. It's all about being yourself. And if you be yourself, this will come out well. And that's what I wish for you. Larry, thank you so much. Tremendous advice. Be yourself throughout the college application process, but also be true to yourself in terms of where you want to attend college. I often see students 
applying to schools simply because their friends are applying to those schools. And what you said earlier is so important in terms of what climate do you want to live in? Do you want to be in a rural area? Do you want to be in, in an urban area, suburban area? And by the way, there's no right or wrong. It's different for every single student, which is why there are thousands of colleges and universities throughout the United States and beyond. So don't underestimate the importance of, do you want to be within two hours from home? Are you okay with taking an airplane to college or not? Again, not a one size fits all. It's a different answer for everyone. And that's okay because there are so many choices out there, students. So be yourself, be true throughout the process, and surely you'll make the, the best decisions for yourself and your families. So Larry, again, I can't thank you enough for your insight, your expertise. This has truly been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.